welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. Episode number 29, March 16th. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. Uh, last night, we had the pleasure, the opportunity to watch one Oscar-nominated documentary feature called My Octopus Teacher and two Oscar-nominated documentary shorts. One was called A Concerto is a Conversation, and the other was called A Love Song for Latasha. And today is Movie Tuesday. So, should we get into talking about them? Yeah, yeah, all three of them were good, by the way. I just say all, all three of them are very good. What order was a lot like? of talent. There's a lot of talent out there, a lot of mm-hmm. talent. I don't know, whatever order you want to do. Let's just do them in the order we watched them. I think we had a clear consensus favorite out of the three, right? Yes, I think we did. And that'll be the second one we talk about. But okay. let's, let's start <laughs> with the first one we saw, which was My Octopus Teacher, the feature length. And should I pull up the trailer? Yes. Okay, so do you want to explain the premise of the movie while I'm finding the trailer? Yeah, he... Uh... This guy, uh, he went out and uh, would, uh, I think it was uh, in Africa, and he would go out into this pool area, into the ocean, uh, and he had this little uh, area that he'd go to every every time, every day, and he'd go scuba diving. And he started with uh, how he would scuba dive. He wouldn't, well, he wouldn't scuba dive. He would snorkel because he didn't want to, he didn't want the... Uh, the tank on his back. So he'd be snorkeling this whole time. And he says it got better and better and could stay on longer and longer. First he'd talk about snorkeling. And then he would snorkel there in this little uh, uh, area. And he'd go in the same area all the time. And and one day, uh, when the story started, he set it up with that. And then as the story started, he goes, uh, I saw an octopus. And uh, I... Um, the, the whole story was about uh, octopuses, and uh, it, was, it was interesting. It was very interesting. I learned things about octopus that I didn't know, uh, and he, and also, the, the, that actually, the, the title of this, uh, of this film, My Octopus Teacher, uh, he'd know, he just didn't learn things about octopuses. He learned things about himself. And I think uh, he got close to this octopus because it's kind of like it's kind of like having uh, a dog that's part of the family. Uh, it's like having a, a cat uh, that's part of the family, and it's like having a horse or uh, a pig. I mean, uh, some mammals are very engaging. Uh, they have feelings, like like Coco the gorilla. They could talk about emotion, uh, and they have emotion. And uh, so the octopus didn't come into his world, in his house. He went into its world, mm-hmm. into the octopus's world. And when he was there, uh, he learned how to be part of the octopus's world and beha- became his friend. And they became friends. And through the film, different things would happen that you could identify from a human perspective as friendship. And he, uh, and also the, the ocean is, is uh, uh, survival of the fittest. And there were some incidences that happened. 
that were challenging to the octopus. And he says, I wanted to go help him, but I didn't because I didn't want to upset the, the nature. And the octopus figured it out. And the octopus survived. And the octopus only lived for a year. I think this one lived a little bit less than a year from when he saw the octopus. He, he saw him not when he was a baby, when he got older, mm -hmm. bigger. And uh, so it was less than a year that he, that the days that he made, the, he, went to, he went there every single day. Mm-hmm. And he spent every day, and he and the octopus became friends. And they would seek each other out, and they would do things together. Mm -hmm. Or he would seek the octopus out, and the octopus wouldn't run away. They would do things together. And uh, I think that's a good start. But so many things happened in the film that were very, very interesting. And it was touching. And he, he got emotional because uh, he saw, uh, he didn't see the octopus being born. Or when it was a baby, he saw it when it was a mature. It was young adult, but he he did see its demise. Mm -hmm. And but the way it died, again, taught him about life. Mm -hmm. Is that a good good intro? Yeah, it is. Um, let's watch the trailer. I think maybe I may hang up on you and call you right back. Your audio is dipping. It's, it might be a bad connection. So can I do that real okay. quick? Okay. Yeah, sure. And it may be on my end, but we'll see. Is that better? Well, yeah. I mean, when you were doing your soliloquy, there were just times where the audio would dip out. So I don't know if that was a connection issue or not. But it sounded like a connection issue to me. Okay, okay. So, okay, well, hopefully it's... It's fine. So let's take a look at the trailer. Yeah, I'm ready. I remember the day when it all started seeing this really strange thing. A lot of people say that an octopus is like an alien. But the strange thing is, as you get closer to them, you realize that you're very similar in a lot of ways. It's a hard thing to explain, but sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something to this creature that's very unusual. There's something to learn here. I had to have a radical change in my life. And the only way I knew to do it was to be in this ocean with her. And then I had this crazy idea. What happens if I just went every day? family or child. I hadn't been a person that was overly sentimental towards animals before. 
realized I was changing. My relationship with people, with humans, was changing. What she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place, not a visitor. That's a huge difference. There you go. Yep. And did you That's hear the summary? Did you hear the audio crackling? No. It's crackling on my end. I'm going to try something. I'm sorry. It just it drives me crazy when the audio is not good. I might ruin the broadcast, but I'm going to unplug and plug something in. Hello? Okay, good. We're back. I, I think I might have fixed it. It might have just been my power went out in the middle of the night. And uh, I don't know, I, it just happened again. So I still haven't fixed it, but whatever. I had to restart my computer, my clocks that I just, well, my alarm clock that I just switched for daylight savings. I had to reset it again. So yes, but enough about that, enough about our technical difficulties. Let's discuss my octopus teacher. I fell asleep for probably about 30 to 40% of it. And I think you can tell it is pretty chill. Thirty minutes. That's what it says here. It, it, it could have been thirty minutes. It could have. Or forty-five. But the, so, the he got a lot of cool footage, so they kept showing the footage. That was nice. And well, yeah, plenty of footage. The footage filled up an hour and thirty minutes. That's mm -hmm. for sure. But the story, and he did say a lot of things. A lot of it was summarized in that film. But he didn't talk about how it died. But uh, uh, it was, it, yeah, Th there's a lot. He covered a lot of things in there. Uh, yeah, you slept through a lot. Of, were you awake at the end? Yeah. Okay. So I saw the octopus die. I basically got the gist of it. He was a filmmaker, but he's working too hard. And so he needed a break. So he went back to where he grew up, which was the tidal ponds off of the Cape of Good Hope or whatever in, in South Africa. Is that which one? Which one is that? Cape of Good Hope. Cape of Good Hope, but I think it was like a cape. He called the area the Cape of Storms. Yeah. And there's a it bunch was, of kelp ponds there. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he found the octopus in the kelp ponds, and then he just started. So I think that every day, every day he went. Also, the other thing is that he had his son there with him. At the he end, wouldn't take but, a, he, yeah. he wouldn't take a son every day, but toward the end, he took a son out to show, and he would uh, snorkel with his son, and uh, and so he had his son, and then the octopus had had her world, and then he he, like he said, he says I wasn't necessarily a visitor, but I was part of the world, mm -hmm. and 
as I was listening to it, uh, actually, when I heard the trailer, I might add the trailer. It, it makes much more sense, and the trailer is more impactful after you've seen the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because you it reminds you of everything that he did. Yeah, it tells you what's happening, but it doesn't uh, tell you the the impact and the the context around what he's saying mm-hmm. but the movie does and uh so it it was very he was it wasn't he wasn't just a visitor he was part of that world and you know i thought of it when i was listening to the trailer uh, that you know how uh some people love to travel uh why well you go to different places you meet different people uh you go visiting uh why you go visit different people uh, you go to your relative's house. Why? You want to visit. Uh, but when you're around people, when you're around different places, uh, you're a visitor. But being around people and talking to them, you, you know, you begin sharing and uh, you have a friendship. And that friendship is something social. Social interaction is something that's necessary for humans. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I think it's also necessary for, for mammals and animals. It's the same thing. And so he when he was a visitor to the ocean and his octopus friend, he was a visitor. But after he went every day, he became part of it. Mm-hmm. He was he was he was part of it. And he was they were friends. And you can see that that she would reach out and touch him and a couple of places, right, David, I think you're awake, uh, that she would see him. And she would come over and hug him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, you didn't, I wouldn't want an octopus to hug me, but it came over and actually hugged him. You know, and he, and he was, it was caressing this octopus, you know, and then it would go away and they would play together. And then she would play with the fish, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just like, just like a person. And it was good because you see an octopus, you think, ooh, they're they're ugly. They're 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 monsters, uh, but they're not. She was a very gentle being, and she ate she ate crabs and she ate uh, lobsters and and shells. But uh, but she was very gentle with him. She didn't attack him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was uh, the more I think about it, uh, it was long. Uh, to me, it was long. That was the negative part, and. Uh, there were very good parts of the story that came through that were touching, but uh, I think it was too long. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was very chill. The guy, the South African guy, he speaks very calmly, and the score was very uh, chill, I guess, for lack of a better word, relaxing. So it put me right to sleep. I got the point, you know. He was burnt out by life so he went home and he started going to these kelp ponds and snorkeling and he met the octopus and then he said this is too good i gotta bring my camera you know because he was done making films he was trying to take a break so he's taking like a year-long sabbatical but it took him a month or two before he was like okay i gotta bring my camera this is awesome and so he naturally found he his passion in life was filmmaking, I suppose, but he'd lost the passion. 
So instead of forcing himself to make films, he went back to where he felt comfortable, his childhood home, the kelp ponds. And then after snorkeling every day, he said, okay, there is such so much to see here. I got to reincorporate my passion in life or my, my work in life, which is filmmaking, with this dives into the kelp pond. And so he got a year's worth of footage and they made a documentary out of it. And yeah, the, the octopus faces challenges and overcomes them. And then eventually, you know, at the end it mates and the mating process causes it to sort of exert all of its life force and it dies. And octopi only live like a year. And so the guy was upset about it and he wished there was something he could do about the octopus, but he didn't because it's the natural way of things for the octopus to mate and then die and then everyone to feast on its carcass, even though it was his friend. And I think that's all of those things are good lessons. It's like there's a natural life cycle to things and you want to step in and subvert that, but it would be wrong to. Well, toward the end, he learned about death. They were friends and then she made it. Uh, is plural is plural of octopus octopi? Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, he uh, she made it, uh, and uh, he 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 was there, uh, and then she had her, I don't know what baby octopi are called, but she had like hundreds of them or thousands or they had a lot of babies. Okay, and they all don't live. But uh, and she she was protecting him and and she, this kind of thing. But as the story goes, she gave up so much of her life energy to her to her offspring that she was weakened. And then I, I guess they once they give birth to hundreds uh, or more uh, little eggs, uh, they nurture them to some other form, you know, nurture them to growth. Uh, it takes all the energy out of them and they die. Mm -hmm. At least that's the story that I got from it. Yeah. But, the, but then when they die, she, she doesn't just die. She's weakened to where she can't fight off or run away. So the fishes, the fish became, came and started feeding on her. And then she just got worse and worse. And then finally when she died, he, he watched it. He filmed it, and finally a shark came, grabbed her, and just went away. You know, and he just had to watch her go. And then he turned around, and then he went to his son. And he says, I want to enjoy the time I have with my son as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Because everyone dies. And I think we don't really train ourselves, or we don't talk about death that much uh but we're all going to die someday mm -hmm. and i think his friend his octopus friend taught him that yeah it's time for me to die and you're going to die and we're all going to die and so when you die die with dignity die with integrity you go to the end and you die the way you want to die and and she did and uh so it says you know now, he was older, his son was younger, and he wants he wants his life to have as much meaning as his octopus friend, uh, as his octopus had, how much meaning she had in her world. Mm -hmm. 
So there, there was a lot of parallels. I mean, he was he was very emotional when she died, and he was very sad to see his friend go because they were they were together every single day for a year. Yep. And 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 they both obviously, you know, he would he would hold her and and carry her and bring her up to the surface, and and she would see him and she'd come over and hug him. It was very very interesting, something I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And. Octopus, it's a weird animal for sure. So you got to see a long, extended look into the world of an animal that you don't typically see. Well, the other thing at the beginning also, he said, I began studying about it. I would look it up and I would, I, I uh, studied the octopus. And as it turns out, they're very intelligent, uh, very intelligent animals. Uh, and uh, they uh, are very smart. They figure things out. Uh, they're uh, one one episode where a shark was going was attacking him. And and at the very beginning, you saw this shell. Then all of a sudden, the shells were all around him. Then all of a sudden, they uh, the shells are shedding, and she runs away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, later, toward in the middle of the movie or toward the end a shark was chasing her and she was so she got all these shells and she did that shell thing again to show the so the shark comes up and grabs her with a uh, surrounded by shells that you know in her suckers she she gets them and and holds them up around her so the shark comes and bites it but the shark is biting the shells not her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and doing the death roll and trying everything, you know, boom, 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 you know. And he says, I had to go up and take a breath because he was just snorkeling. He went up and took a breath. When he come back down, he goes, oh, what I saw was she was on his back. And she grabbed him on his back to where he couldn't get to her. Mm-hmm. And so somehow in the in the in the fight, she let go and got on his back, and so she just wrote it out. <laughs> she wrote it out. Uh, the shark got shark got tired, and then and then she would just jump off and go into some kelp, and he just he just went away. Mm-hmm. You know, very clever, very very clever. It, it was the only the one place the shark could not get her was when she was on his back. Yeah, because <laughs> he can't bite her when she's on. I mean, that kind of thing is just. She says it was it was brilliant. It was awesome. And you wonder he, how he was just she was amazed. Yeah, how much is intelligence and how much is instinct? Because it seems like if they only yeah. live a year, it's not like they're passing down these techniques. It's something that they figure out how to do normally. But it is strange. It's bizarre. And I think that invertebrate in, intelligence is more difficult to understand than something that's more like us, like a primate intelligence. Right. Right. And I and uh, I think we mentioned that in the movie. You know, they said he's in, she's intelligent. She says, "Is that intelligence or is that instinct?" You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, but the thing of it is, is what, how do you define intelligence? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, can if you learn things, is that intelligent? Or if you can just figure things out yourself, is that intelligent? Uh, and so she did figure out just right his back. Well, and that that monk- could be an instinct. Monkeys fishing for termites with grass is like that. They're using tools, but the thing is, her picking up all these shells and using it as armor, 
she's using tools too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, six of one, half a dozen of another. However you, however you define it, whatever you call it, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But one thing for sure, the, uh, the octopus would recognize him, not run away, and come to him. Mm-hmm. They did become friends, quote-unquote, insofar as an octopus can be friends with a human. But they would swim together. They would swim together, you know, and then she would come and, and hug him, and he would caress her, and then they would swim together. Mm-hmm. They would swim different places. And one time he, he, he pulled her up to the surface, you know, and they went back down. So they played together. Mm-hmm. It was it was because he was out there every single day. So he became part of her world. And she was part of his world when he was in the ocean. So it was good. It was very good in that sense. Uh, my only criticism is it was really slow. And uh, it was the music was would put you to sleep. It was relaxing. That's what I liked about it. It's very relaxing. I didn't sleep, though. I I kept watching it and everything. Well, like, it was a documentary, so, uh, see, it wasn't a conversation. Uh, he would say, he would have a sentence. And then, when you say a sentence, and then you wait that long or even longer with this quiet music before you said another sentence, so everything was very spread out. Mm-hmm. So after a while, you go. I was. You know, I it put me right to sleep. I liked it though. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the only one I've seen. That's my front runner. Let's talk about another front runner. We watched two documentary shorts last night. We did. Both were pretty good, but one. I mean, one was pretty good. The other one was really good. And the one that I think is really good is a concerto is a conversation. Now, this is fascinating. It's nominated for an Oscar. The actual movie itself is on YouTube. And it only has 42,000 views. I have videos on YouTube with more than 42,000 views. You know, these kids these days, these Logan Paul, he'll release a video a day. And it'll get 4.2 million views, 5.9 million views, 9.1 million views. This movie is powerful. It's a powerful 13-minute dive into family and race and America. And it only has 42,000 views. It's so crazy. The stuff that people need to see, they don't end up seeing. And this is even more incredible. Chris Bowers, the guy that executive produced the movie, uh, there's something wrong with my computer. But... uh, he posted the trailer. It only has 462 views. We're going to be the 463rd person to watch this trailer. Should we check it out? Yes. Maybe it's my internet. I'm very aware of the fact that I'm a black composer. I've been wondering whether or not I'm supposed to have gotten to the point that I've gotten to. Well, never think that you're not supposed to be there, because you wouldn't be there if you wasn't supposed to be there. 
goes back to slavery. The reason why I love this film so much, it feels like I'm watching my own family and I was blown away by it. Growing up in the South, I knew when I got of age, I was gonna leave there. Los Angeles, California, that's where I wanna go. There's an intimacy to this exchange within the sphere of black masculinity that is so rare to see. I think it's a bomb for these times. People are constantly throwing up things to stop you in life. But you've got to know, you cannot stop me. And the winner is Chris Bowers. Green Book. Can you tell me just what is concerto? <laughs> you did it, you did it, you did it. <laughs> he surprised you a little bit. <laughs> So yes, Concerto is a conversation. It was great. It was great. Uh, 13 minutes. It's not long, but it was, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was incredible as well. That was the best thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was, I think. I, I, I got so much out of that. I think even though it's 13 minutes, it should win Best Picture. <laughs> if, if it doesn't, it just, it should win Best Picture. I mean, I... It was so well done. Mm -hmm. It was so well done, and and uh, it was great. It was great. It was by far one of the best things I've seen in a long time. And the old man, he's he's cute, but he's also very wise uh, and very strong. Mm -hmm. Very strong, and he and actually he did talk about his roots. You know, he he says, you know, I uh, I mean, it was about. Yeah, there he's black, and and uh, he says when I was a little boy, and I went to the store, and and the my my was it what is his father was with him? Yeah, his father, and then the store owner called his dad boy. As I'm getting, and it was in Florida, Jack Crow, Florida. As I'm getting out of here, I'm not staying in any place like that. So he left, and uh, he went. As I say, he went to Kentucky and everything, and he finally came to Denver, Colorado, and. And he says, you know, I'm going to go to uh, Los Angeles, California. He went there, and as a young boy, he started working in a, in a cleaners. And uh, he saved his money, and it was like a couple years. Not too long later, he actually uh, he actually bought uh, bought the cleaners. And he still had it, you know, for so many years later. Yeah. And uh, I think that his cleaners helped. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I stopped. His cleaners helped facilitate his family, you know, because this was his grandson that was talking to him who would become yeah. a movie and film composer who was premiering a, a work in the Walt Disney Theater, Walt Disney Concert House, whatever you call it. Um, and... He said, you know, now that I'm old, I just like to watch my children and my grandchildren just succeed in life. And I like to think that I had a little something to do with it. Was, I mean, <laughs> he was just a cool guy, you know? He had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. Just, just, uh, he, 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 uh, he believed in his children and grandchildren. And he, um, and he, uh, enjoyed them. Yeah. I mean that that is that's so powerful. 
and uh, it was it was very cool. And what, another thing cool is that uh, he he tried to get a loan, and he walk in and try to get a loan, walk in try to get a loan. He says no no no, and he said we don't have any money, don't have any money. And he says I couldn't. He says it's because I was black. And so he said, then I applied for a loan. I wrote him a letter, and by mail they gave me the loan. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing things by mail. <laughs> he figured a way around it. You know, uh, and he wasn't going to change it. He's you're not going to change people that way. He just he figured a way around it. He, get, he went by mail and he got the loan and he got it that way. Yeah, well, and, he knew and that that's a business, lesson for everyone. He knew that his business was good enough, and that he wasn't getting a loan because he was going into the bank and asking. But mm-hmm. if if he showed the fundamentals of his business on paper to someone and they couldn't see him, they'd give him a loan because he knew business, you know. So he, he did. just did it. He did it all by mail. And he got successful and he's raised his family. And and uh, yeah, so I, I like that part, too, that uh, figure a way around it. Uh, you know, sometimes sometimes when you hit a brick wall uh, and you can't tear down that brick wall, just go around it. Because. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's more important, tearing that down that brick wall that you can't do, or going around it to be successful? Mm-hmm. You know, know what you want to do and get it done. And like he says, just don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone stop you. Keep going. Uh, the message was fantastic, and it was well written. And the <laughs> grandfather was so was so uh, uh, wise. But more than that. He was um, uh, inspirational. He was simple, simple, focused, and because of that, he was inspirational. Mm-hmm. Focused on doing what he wanted to do, doing what his children wanted to do, doing what his grandson wanted to do. Just focused on doing, being successful, and and do it, do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And it's only thirteen minutes, so they pack a lot of emotion and. In my favorite part, I mean, I don't really want to spoil it. I think people should see it, but I'm going to spoil it. You know what my favorite part was? When he says, remember when we came up to see you when you were in that school? And the grandson says, in New York? And he's like, I don't remember where it was. He's like, when I was at Juilliard. He's like, I don't know what the school was, but I know that you enjoyed it. And that's all that matters. Uh, so his grandson was in the most prestigious music university in America, which makes it one of the most prestigious music universities in the world. The grandpa didn't know that it was Juilliard. He didn't really care. He just knew that his grandson wanted to be there and that he was getting a lot out of it. And that's all that mattered. It could have been a community college and the grandma, the grandfather would have been just as proud as long as his grandson was getting something out of it that he, he wanted. It wasn't that it was Juilliard. It was that his grandson liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you liked it. Because I don't know, but you were there and you liked it. <laughs> yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. It could have been, yeah, it could have been anywhere. It could have been doing anything. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed it. That's all that matters. So, I don't know. We haven't seen, there are five nominees. So, we saw two of them last night. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be difficult to beat a concerto as a conversation because that was fantastic. It was, and we saw another one. We'll get into it here in a minute. 
called A Love Song for Latasha. But that one was much, much harder to watch. I don't think it was as well done. And I mean, it's tough to say, oh, I don't think it was well done because it's sad. It's a, uh, it's really sad what happened, but I just didn't like the way that they told the story. If that makes sense. It does to me because I, I, I tried to watch it and uh, they had the names floating around uh, and uh, the visuals, it was scratchy and, uh, now, who's talking now? Uh, who is this? It, was this the narrator? Is this the person? Or was it, it was hard to follow the story. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, it was like it was told not to an audience. It was told to a member of the family. They knew all the names. Yes. They knew the story. They knew everything. And so it was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know them. I know them. I know them. Well, we didn't know them. So I didn't know where the story was going. And at the end, you kind of figured it out, but it was kind of uh, confusing all the way through. But also, they didn't show anyone that was talking. That's why it was so confusing. It's not like they showed her sister and her brother and her best friend talking about what happened to her, which was tragic. It was visuals. And I think the reason they didn't is because Latasha Harkins was killed when she was 15 or 16 or whatever. And that was in 1991. So all these people would be in their mid 40s. And it's like, she was just a kid, blah, 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 blah. And it would be sort of like time out of mind. I think they wanted to keep you back in 1991. So they did these effects where they sort of pretended like footage that they were shooting of South Central Los Angeles was a handy cam, like Panasonic Omnivision footage. But really, it was full HD, and they just added like a little tracking filter to it. I thought that sort of diminished. I could tell right away. It took me out of the movie. And then they did a lot of visual stuff. But I don't know. Like a concerto as a conversation had Chris Bowers and his grandfather. And they did shots of them. You knew who was talking. And then when he, he would talk about his past, they would have stock footage. You know, you saw it in the trailer of like, you know, whites only, coloreds only, you know, and you'd see the stock footage, but it would allow you to contextualize. And then they would use footage, well, not footage from the grandfather's life, but footage from Chris's life when he was a kid. And one thing that struck me is they didn't have any footage of Latasha when she was a kid, even though she grew up in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. Or the other kids, they had like a yearbook photo. That's about it. And the rest, they sort of, they conjured the visuals themselves. But you never saw until the very end when they had a couple, her friend and her sister talk. You didn't see the people that were talking. Like you said, they were disembodied heads. And it was difficult to keep straight. In a concerto as a conversation, you knew when Chris was talking, you knew when the grandfather was talking. And it started with talking head shots like these. This one and this one. Uh, maybe not with the framing, but of the people. And you're like, okay, this is the son, this is the dad or the grandfather. They didn't do that in a love song for Latasha. So like you said, I had no idea who was talking. And it was kind of confusing. And I, I think that they figured, we'll go back to this tragedy. We'll revisit this tragedy. And the power of their stories will be so strong 
that we could attach any visuals we want to it. And the movie will be powerful. And it was powerful. It wasn't as powerful as a concerto as a conversation. Well, the story was powerful, but because of the not knowing who was talking or getting the story straight from the beginning, uh, you got bits and pieces of it. And so it was powerful because the story was powerful. It wasn't powerful because it didn't pull you in and you weren't, you weren't part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of like looking, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's sad. Uh, oh, I, who's talking now? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, that's te- that's terrible. And uh, and so it it, it had uh, the information there, uh, but it was too. Uh, we were we were uh, disjoint. We were removed from from the emotion. Mm-hmm. They had emotion, but we weren't part of it. Yeah, it's uh, it was and fine. It was though. sad. It so was that- really sad. Uh, how she got shot back in '91 and. Uh, and also the story around it. Uh, so I don't know who was talking, but you know that she was warned uh, not to go there, and it was on Christmas Day. Was it? Didn't it? Wasn't it on Christmas Day? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't catch that detail. But uh, I think it was Christmas Day, '91. Um, she was there to to get orange juice. So should we watch that trailer? Yeah. Uh, oops. People don't know who she was as an individual. They don't know. They just know that she was just a young black girl who was worth the dollar and 79 cent. They don't know. Latasha would always talk about when we got older, we could own businesses. Because every time we go into the store, they're either following us, giving us dirty looks, disrespecting us. Don't you want to have something on your own? She wanted to be a lawyer, so that's what she was aiming for, to get good grades. She had all A's. She just tried a little bit harder. She just didn't want to end up a statistic. Sometimes I think, how did I get this far? And she not here. I know she'd be married by now. She loved the fellas. She probably would have three, two, three kids by now. She'd be an awesome mother. She was a loving person. I still appreciate her for being who she was back then. There you go. Yep. So... I mean, we could see in the trailer even a lot of that stuff. Because this footage, I'll just mute it. This isn't real footage, you know. And Guinness six-pack bottles, eight ninety-nine. This was filmed in twenty nineteen. Uh huh. 
And just knowing what stuff looks like and knowing that these recreations, I mean, I, this, just, just standing here in front of the drink counter, I know that these drinks, this is the packaging that they use in 2019. This is not the logo of a Sprite or a Pepsi in 1991 because I grew up in those times. So, <laughs> yeah. and if you notice, there's tracking marks like it was filmed with a Panasonic Omnivision. See at the bottom here? Uh-huh. And they put a filter on it to make it look like it was filmed with a, one of those big overhead VCR camcorders. But the aspect ratio is 16 by 9. And that's not the aspect ratio because we had one of those Panasonic Omnivisions. It didn't film in that aspect. So the fact that it's not real footage and they're trying to pawn it off like, as a reenactment, you know, this, these giant backpacks, that's uh, 2010s. Look, kids didn't wear the giant backpacks in 1991. So a lot of it, a lot of the decisions on a filmmaking level, the story is sad. I feel bad for the family of Latasha Harkins, but on a filmmaking level, and this is sad to uh, kind of nitpicking and being a, a dick about it, but um, as a film, a concerto as a conversation is, I, I think, a much better and more powerful film just in the way it's made, in the way the story is told, than a love song for Latasha. Latasha's story is far more tragic. And the story in a concerto as a conversation is far more uplifting. But as a film, I felt like a concerto as a conversation was a better short film. Uh, can I can I pull up a clip from a concerto as a conversation to uh, to emphasize my point? It's the classic clip when they got it. I think they went through the archives. Let's see here. We'll show it. I'll just, it, I won't show the movie. I'll just show the, there's, it was when he's a kid and he's playing. I gotta scrub the timeline a little bit. Oh, no. You know which clip I'm talking about, right? No. When he's a little kid and he's playing, there it is, there it is. Puts his hat on. Okay, so let's just... Uh, oh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know where you're going. So there's him on the stage at the Oscars. All right, that's actually right him. There. That's real footage. Okay, now here's him as a little kid. I love this clip. So he gets up, he bows. He puts on the hat. Now watch, watch. There's the grandpa in the background taking a picture of him. <laughs> it's such good footage because... You can't recreate something like that. That was a moment in time. That <laughs> happened. This kid, Chris Bowers, is playing at the Radisson. You know, he gets done. He does his little bow hat, bowler hat flip, and his grandfather's right there taking a picture. That moment will never happen again. Um, and there's just something about the fact that that's real footage that makes the movie more authentic to me. Does that does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh... And also, that was a theme all the way through that that documentary, is that the grandfather was totally focused on him. I mean, it wasn't about the music. It wasn't about. It was just about, are you having fun? Mm -hmm. <laughs> are you? Uh, it was about him. He wasn't taking a picture of the of the, of the people. 
He was taking a picture of his grandson. Yeah. Walking out. Well, he knew his grandson was good at the piano. The early part of that. It's like, do you remember when we went to that restaurant? And the grandson's like, yeah, Marie Callender's. Like, yeah, Marie Callender's. <laughs> the grandfather went up to the manager or whatever and says, my grandson's good at the piano. You got to let him play. And they let the kid, and he was a young kid, play the piano at Marie Callender's. Like, that was my first gig, and you were like my manager. I wouldn't have had the confidence <laughs> to go and ask myself, but you said, let my grandson play. And I played for the people sitting at Marie Callender's. I thought that was awesome. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe it's because one was happy and uplifting and one was sad. But I also feel on a very real level, the filmmaking of a concerto as a conversation was really good. The documentary filmmaking. And in fact, I would put it, even though it's only a 13-minute film, I would put the filmmaking on a level above my octopus teacher. I know that guy went out there and he got footage every single day. And he learned a lesson and he shared it with the world. And there's no discounting that, the octopus teacher guy. But there's something so powerful about taking two lives and seeing how one life affected the other and just distilling that into 13 minutes. It's all killer, no filler. Like every minute of that documentary was meaningful and it advanced the story. And by the end of 13 minutes and 13 seconds, that's the full running time of it, you said, wow, that was good. And the takeaway lesson of a uh, concerto as a conversation, the takeaway lesson is how strong is family? Mm-hmm. How strong is family? And the takeaway lesson of a love song for Latasha is that the world is a cruel and senseless place and people that don't deserve to die often get shot in the back of the head on Christmas Day for trying to buy an orange juice, dying with the money in the hand they would have used to purchase the orange juice. They get shot. $1.79. Yeah. $1.79. So which one leaves? I mean, the power of family, the generational courage, the uh, older generation just hoping that the younger generation is doing something they love and that they're happy. All of this is one movie. The other movie is people will get killed for no reason. Their bright lights will be snuffed out. For no reason. And it's like, I would rather watch the one that has a positive message. It's difficult. I know that the world is a sad place. And I know that Chris Bauer's grandfather encountered some of that racism. And by the grace of God, he was, and by his own wits and ability, he got around it. But it could have gone the other way for him, too. You know, he could have gotten shot in the back of the head trying to buy an orange juice. And then exactly right. that story would never have been told, which is why it's important to tell stories like our the ones that are told in a love song for Latasha. And yet, I would rather believe in a world where the stories end up like a, a concerto as a conversation. And they both were in L.A. Mm-hmm. Well, when you were playing the trailer for uh, Love Song for Latasha... Uh, I thought of who's talking. Mm -hmm. Who who's talking? She didn't identify herself, and she kept saying, "We, we." Was that her sister? Was that her friend? Uh, who who's talking? Yeah. So I I didn't. To me, that was hard for me to. I hear what you're saying. That's good, but who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's your connection with her? 
and she's one to tell the story. It was a passionate story. Actually, the story was very good. Uh, it was just told in such a way that you weren't really sure who was telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you say, it was uh, they had film that was like a lot of times on YouTube. You'll see these these uh, they'll tell a story about something that happened that is a good story. But they'll bring in all these other clips from other things. You go, well, th- there's like five different people that, that are doing the same. Wait a minute. This isn't the person. Mm-hmm. It, if you're telling me about a story about a person, either just talk about the person or show me the person. Mm-hmm. Don't show me someone who's not the person. And it's a little, little disruptive. Uh, it's, I think that's becoming a thing in telling stories is like, oh, they were really sad. And you show five people who are crying. Yeah. Okay. It's not about crying. It's about that person was sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, it's about the person. It's like if you, I don't know. Yeah, that's, so you, uh, you, you know GIFs, right? Yeah. So I just Googled sad GIF. And if you're like, it was a very sad day, and then you play this clip. And you play that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then that one. And, and then this that one. one. Yeah. And that one. Yep. I guess and I have to kill, kill yeah. myself. Uh, here we go. Or, you know, like, oh, the whole family was really sad. Yeah, and you do that one. And then you do another one. And then, <laughs> then you do that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that a lot of times ago. I stopped watching them because it's just it's distracting. Although it's I will not... say, now that I have this pulled up, this kid is one of my favorite gifts. So uh, Michael and I, my brother and I, we played in a lot of rock bands when we were younger. And there's still guys that are our age or older than us, and they're still holding on to this dream of like being a rock star. And so on social media, they'll say, like, oh, in the studio recording our new record, like, we hope we get signed with this one. We're going to be on a world tour before you know it, you know, and it's like sort of delusional, like that time has come and gone, you know, Uh, there are no more rock stars anymore. So like someone will post something like that. And it's like kind of sad that they're delusional. This is one of my favorite gifts to show that you're disappointed in someone. <laughs> Just how expressive the kid is. It's one of my favorites. I like uh <laughs> But yeah. Um I guess we're getting a little bit off the topic. So I mean we're almost at the end of the hour. So I think we could sum up each one in like one minute. My octopus teacher. I did like it and I I I love nature documentaries and I I think we've talked about this before. You can fall asleep and wake up, and whatever you see is good. <laughs> I think I may have lost... What I lost most by falling asleep for at least 30% of that movie was the relationship building between the director and the octopus. Because I knew that they were going to become friends because I saw the trailer. And they did become friends. I just missed some of the footage of them bonding. But I knew that they were friends by the end when the octopus dies because he seems sad. And it's like, oh, he's sad. 
Or, and he's like, that's the last time we had physical contact before the octopus goes and mates, you know? Um, well, the octopus, What my takeaway, I, I was there through the bonding. And I think, when I think of the octopus teacher, I think it was a perfect title to that to that movie, a teacher, because he learned from nature. But what he learned from nature, he learned about himself because he's part of nature. Mm -hmm. And when he learned about himself, it made him a better person. And he began to see his his problems uh, were not that different than the octopus's problems, octopus problems. And he he learned. And after the act, octopus died and he moved on, he was a better person. Mm -hmm. And that's just what the social interaction that humans have with each other, have social interactions that make you a better person. Don't, don't have social interactions that pull you down. Mm -hmm. Have social interactions that make you a better person. And that can be with family. It could be with friends. It could be with neighbors. It could be anyone in the world, and it could be anything in nature. Whether it's a dog, a cat, a bird, or a horse, a pig, a turkey, a goat, they can make you a better person too if you open your eyes and learn. Everything can be a teacher if you're teachable. And I think that's the takeaway from this from this message from this movie. So in that sense, it was very good. My only negative is it was so long that <laughs> it, if you can stay awake during it, it is good. It, it could have been a lot shorter. I enjoyed it. And I just, I do enjoy nature stuff. I enjoy ocean stuff. And the guy's voice was calming, put me right to sleep. And the score <laughs> was very calming and chill. So if you put on My Octopus Teacher, you can either watch the whole thing and get the story of a man who learns from nature or you can sleep for 45 minutes and get 90% of the story of a man who works learns from nature, which is what I got. And I loved it. I enjoyed it because I got, I think I got most of what the movie was trying to say. I think you did too. I think you did. I think since I watched all of it, I got not only the story, but I got the emotional part too. But as far as the score is concerned, as far as the score is concerned, the score was very good. But I was listening to that, and I tell you, I was thinking, I tell you what I thought. I thought, you know, that is good. And and you're a musician, David. You could make a score that good, or maybe even better. If if you if you if you were doing a score for a music, I'm thinking, you you could have done that. You mm -hmm. could have do that for for a documentary. And if and if someone's doing a documentary and they they had you do the score for it, uh, and and the score would change. To like danger, to you know, like the mm -hmm. calm, and and you could you could do a score like that. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. And uh, so it was well done. The person who did the score was good. The person who did the filming was really good, and he told the story well, uh, and everything was good. But I thought you know you could do that score. Yeah, I mean I thought the score was good though. I mean I've heard a lot of bad scores. That was not one of them. That was a good score. Yeah. So moving on, our favorite movie of the three. Right? Are we agreed about that 100%? I totally agree. Totally agree. A concerto is a conversation. It's on YouTube. 
Uh, all you have to do is search for a concerto as a conversation. It's 13 minutes and 13 seconds for a short-form documentary. I loved it. I thought it was incredible. If it doesn't win, something's wrong with those people voting. Uh, when it, when that ended, I thought, wow, I just experienced something that was far and above better than... than uh I think a love song for Latasha might win. And this is the reason why. And I know that the Oscars doesn't go by this because, I mean, Fast and Furious 7 makes a billion dollars and Moonlight makes 20 million and Moonlight wins Best Picture. But a concerto is a conversation. The actual movie on YouTube has 43,000 views. A love song for Latasha, the trailer, has 90,000 views, twice as many. I don't know if if the fact that more people, if that many people watch the trailer, I feel like more people watch the movie on Netflix. So it's just difficult. It's difficult. It'll be difficult for me when any film except for a concerto as a conversation wins best short form documentary because a concerto as a conversation is one of the best videos slash films I've seen in a long time. I truly, truly enjoyed it. Well, the message of the Latasha short is much stronger. It is very strong. It's very, very poignant. It's very timely. The, the message that it's, that it is trying, the story is trying to tell is important. Uh, the message on the concerto, a conversation, mm -hmm. that's also important, but it's a different kind of message. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take away the message, it says, what about the movie itself or the short film itself? I think just the way the story was told, the concerto was much better. Uh, the messages that were that was told is for the concerto for family and Natasha was uh was a, a murder and by the way the lady just had pretty much got off yeah 400 hours community service or whatever for shooting a girl fine. for shooting a girl in the head 500 dollar fine 400 hours back of the service. head in the back of the head and she had the money in her hand mm -hmm. it, it was horrible that is a much stronger emotion in the story but the movie itself the other is kind of like a much broader story. Like that's what family is about. That's what we all should be like. And it wasn't a particular theme. Well, not theme. It was, no, I'm trying to say mm -hmm. that was an incident. The other is, is life. And um, so I, I think we'll see what happens. Well, I, I like you're saying the, one, a love song for Latasha. It's an important story. I'm glad that they told it again uh, to keep that memory alive. But the message of a love song for Latasha is this world is a cruel and dangerous place where people die indiscriminately when they didn't deserve to. And that is true. But the love, the message of a concerto as a conversation is family has the power and the, the older generations have gone through things that you can't imagine, but they're imbued with wisdom. And by virtue of family, they can give you that wisdom down through the generations. And their love and support 
you carry with you and their struggle you carry with you. And you can carry that forward into a world where even if you feel like you don't belong, once you get there, you act like you do belong because people will notice if you feel like you don't belong. And and all these lessons about the power of family, the the power of perseverance, the support that you show each other, it it sort of is like this guy, he was on stage at the Oscars when the Best Picture was announced. He's uh, composing pieces that are being played at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. And a big reason of that is that he had this supportive family. And so you see, that's the message you take with you. At the end of A Love Song for Latasha, if Latasha hadn't died, I'd probably be a lawyer. She'd be a lawyer. We would have a bunch of businesses. There would be community programs set up. But none of that stuff existed. It's sort of like because of a twist of fate, all of that fell by the wayside. And that's sad. That's a sad message to take home. Whereas with the concerto as a conversation, it's because this family encountered obstacles and pushed through them and supported each other, uh, these people are doing amazing things today. And it doesn't matter the fact that they're amazing. Even if they weren't amazing, this grandfather, he was just as delighted that his grandson remembered how to play How Great Thou Art at the end as the fact that his grandson composed a piece, an original composition that was being played at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Was it How Great There Are? Is that what he sang at the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he plays it on the piano. Singing. And then the grandfather's like, you did it! You did it. He's just as happy. So it doesn't really matter the echelon of success. Just the fact that the grandson's doing something he loves and he's good at it. That's all that really matters. He could be playing. He could be playing, uh, like you said, at this Walt Disney uh, concerto, at this, you know, uh, this fantastic uh, audience, this huge audience. Or he could be playing How Great They Are there in the living room. Both are equal mm -hmm. because his grandson's doing it. Yeah. That's all that matters. And that's, I think, I guess it's just, it's easier to sort of watch a movie where you emerge with a message of hope. There's this power of family. There's this wisdom of the older generations, and it gets carried through. And the grandfather, he's 91, he has cancer, and that's the whole reason Chris Bowers made it. He wants to spend more time with his grandfather because he thinks his grandfather's a great person. And at the end, they say, what's your biggest challenge now? And the grandfather says, probably my health. And it's like, I think there's this implicit thing. The grandfather will pass, you know? And it's sad, but the grandfather gave so much to the generations. So you sort of see there's a continuing on. Whereas in the love song for Latasha, it's like she got killed indiscriminately and the world sort of stopped for these people. And it was a, a harsh blow that no one recovered from. So which one would you rather sort of think about? I guess that's my question. When you're trying to imagine your life, how are you going to take an experience you saw seeing a movie and go forward in this world? Would you rather sort of think about the movie where indiscriminately you could lose your life for no reason or where there's this power of family, where there's this generational drive and, and the wisdom of your ancestors sort of pushes you forward into a brighter future. I, that's just the reason why I like the concerto as a conversation better. Well, the message from a concerto of a conversation, that message given to Latasha, and it's maybe not be, it may not be fair, is saying, don't let things stop you. 
And like what the grandfather said, yeah, I couldn't get a loan, so I figured a way around it. Mm -hmm. But Latasha got murdered. You can't undo that. So are you going to let that stop you? Or are you going to go around it? Do it anyway. You be a lawyer. Uh, your family needs to support you. You you know, don't give up. Don't give up. There are good people. There are people out there that will shoot you in the head. Mm -hmm. But there's also good people out there who will help you and will support you and believe in you. They're there. Find them because they're there and they will support you and they will believe in you. Don't give up. Never give up. Find those people and that should be your octopus teacher. Yeah. That, that's where you learn. Don't learn from the people who shoot you in the head. Learn the, from the people who are going to believe in you. I think that's, and a, that's how you should live your life. That's a good sentiment, and that's a good place to close today's episode, don't you think? I think so. So I'm going to play the closing music. And if you want to take us out. Yes. Sons of Sequoia says, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Bye.